Hi, this is Graham Brown and welcome to the Excel Podcast. The Excel Podcast is a platform for the bigger conversations about leadership in the 2020s. Who's leading? How are they leading? And what stories do they have to share? Through the stories of leaders, we'll address the big challenges of our times from the era of AI to the Asian century to nurturing a new generation of entrepreneurs. If you're enjoying these conversations, subscribe to the podcast at xlpodcast.org. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Excel Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is entrepreneurship, building businesses, scaling businesses up, potential exits. We're going to talk about that for those of you out there who are in the process of setting up a business or a lot of you who are growing a business, maybe facing some challenges yourself. How do I scale this business? What should I be thinking about? Because often we're so busy building the business, we don't think about the next stage. So really, we need a better framework to understand it. We need a bit of advice. So I'm joined today by author and podcast host, Kevin Brent from BizSmart. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Graham. It's, uh, yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you very much. Well, we're on point with favorite subject. I can talk about entrepreneurship for days because everybody's got an opinion as well. And we've all got experiences, I guess, of entrepreneurship myself. You know, I haven't picked up a regular paycheck from a corporate for over 20 years. So I know what it's like to build businesses and be in that zone. Not everybody has been, you know, in business for so long, but increasingly, I suppose more people are starting businesses. People are leaving the corporate world and starting business. The corporate dropout is a thing now. The startup is, you know, a regular feature of the business environment now. And what about yourself, Kevin? Would you describe yourself as an entrepreneur or a consultant? What's your background? Yeah, I think I'd dis- describe myself as an un- as an entrepreneur. I've I've had the usual corporate background beforehand and the MBA, all of those good things. Um, but right back, I remember right back at school and certainly at university, my my goal was to to run my own run my own business and have a successful business. Uh, but it took me a while to get around to actually doing it. Yeah, there is a real case, isn't there, for going into the world of business, or the corporate world, learning the rules, if you like, and getting a bit of experience. You know, get them to bankroll your education and then go out and start your own business. That seems to be yeah. much more of a thing these days, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you can be entrepreneurial within a business. You don't you know, to be an entrepreneur, fine, but but you can be an entrepreneurial corporate employee as 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 well. Yes, exactly. And that is obviously a big growth area as well. Hey, tell me something, Kevin. I noticed you did five years in the Air Force, Royal Air Force, sorry. Indeed. As an officer. Um I'm curious, what does an officer or what does a pilot know about flying that the average person doesn't know or importantly thinks they know <laughs> about flying? Yes. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess, depending on whether the average person knows how to fly um, or, or not. Assume not. <laughs> I'm sure they're an armchair pilot. Yeah, I we probably all got the image of, uh, of Tom Cruise and, and Maverick with Tom. Well, exactly, it. especially now. And, and yeah, well, and I'm—I um, don't know about you, but I, but I remember watching that. I was uh, I was at university on the air squadron uh, when that came when the original came out, and I think uh, I think uh, most of us on the that, that, that were being there uh, sponsored by the RAF through through university at that point. I think most of us watched Top Gun about seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous! That's it was that's good PR good. for your personal brand, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm curious about how you you think about. You know, wonder pilots their sort of approach to the problem, if you like, of flying. Uh, what sort of what sort of training do they give you? And I'm curious because obviously this is going to bridge a bit into the world of business. But what are the sort of things that a pilot would get taught that your average person wouldn't ever know? Yeah, so I I, I suspect if if we do have the image of Top Gun in our mind, we just have this this image of somebody that's naturally brilliant at flying and and very. Well, gash is a kind of old RAF RAF term in, in, in a way where where you you just do what you think is the right thing and just off the cuff sort of stuff. Well, of course, it's not it's not like that at all. And flying flying any kind of airplane from whatever whatever level, whether you're in the air force or not, is all around systems and procedures, um, and in particular checklists. So you have a checklist for absolutely everything, um, whether that be for your 
even before you get to the aircraft, but then your walk around checks, your pre-flight checks, and you've got checks for each different stages of the aircraft uh, of when you're in flight, but obviously for different types of emergencies. And I guess that's one of the things, which it is interesting that you raise that because it's one of the things that we brought into the into the business side and believe uh, believe very strongly about is that these checklists are not about then um, restricting your thinking to just doing what's on a checklist. It's actually a liberating thing because if you know when you've got an engine fire exactly what you're going to do and you just flick through those things, you don't have to devote any real brain power to it. Mm. Focus all of your brain power in how do I get this airplane down safely? Um, so you've done all the checks to, to shut down the engine and make sure that the fire doesn't spread automatically, made all the right radio calls, and you can focus all of your attention then on what you might, from a business perspective, would say were the more important, more creative things that you're then doing. So it's actually having checklists and things is actually really liberating. So you're not just fumbling, going, oh, mm -hmm. uh, hang on, I think I should do that next and then this. And, and before you know it, you've run into the side of a mountain or something like that. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm fascinated by that because it, it's kind of the way we approach business in a way is, you know, th there's a lot of talk about, you know, find your passion and very much it's an important part of being committed and growing any business. But we tend to think that it's all kind of intuitive, don't we? That, you know, and there is a bit of the media bias there about, you know, we hear stories about these great business founders and owners, people like the Steve Jobses who just had this creative brilliance. And it's almost as if, you know, you can't imagine that guy ever having a checklist. You, know, you can't right. imagine that guy ever having a dashboard or, you know, a spreadsheet in front of him. And therefore it's all sort of done very much on right brain thinking mm. and yet i imagine for most business owners the actual reality the day-to-day -day of a business is that they face challenges which can completely derail the business and take away that sort of creative stuff you know it could be cash flow it could be payment terms with a client and so on so i think there's a real case for re-establishing the importance for data dashboards procedures checklists and so on not in sort of a way of policing ourselves as business owners, because that's kind of what we've left behind in the corporate world, isn't it? But to kind of free our lizard brain, that sort of monkey brain away from sort of worrying about things. And it, just in a very short summary of that, I can think, for example, in my own personal business, is that simply having a better view, and this is kind of like your cockpit, I suppose, of cash flow yes. in a business can take away that, constant internal chatter about how yes. much money do we have in the business and small exactly. things like that can liberate you completely exactly because they're always on your mind you're worrying about them whereas if you can actually know that they're under control because the, the, the things that really make us stress are when we feel we're out of control that's mm. that, they're the things that worry us you know and, and i'm sure if we talk to anybody that's in the medical field and looking at anxiety and things like that it's it's all about because we're worrying about things and things are out of, out of control whereas if we can start to get control of even small element elements of it, we know we're doing something about mm. it. And that gives us that sense of, of not only the control, but it reduces that anxiety to, to a certain certain level. And yes, I think the we when we many of us, when we start our own businesses, we've got all this imagination about what kind of business we're going to create and what it's going to be like and we've we've thrown the boss away you know we've no, no longer got somebody that we're accountable to um and we can do what we want and we're going to have create this wonderful business that will give us this wonderful lifestyle that we're in control of completely and and give us the freedom that we want to do to do whatever we want to do and most of us struggle to get there we realize yeah. you know we realize after a short period of time and it's probably a couple of years typically that actually okay this 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 gig isn't quite as easy as we thought it was going to be <laughs> the reality um, yeah and, and that's when we have to combine and i think i think i think true true success within business comes from a combination of that passion in in, in doing something mm. that you really want to achieve and then your vision as to what you what you where you want to get to but there has to be that element of discipline within within it as well for our self-discipline because we've got to create the kind of business that isn't reliant on us we can't do everything you know you mentioned steve steve jobs um but you know he wasn't doing everything with yeah. apple 
um, you know, he, he had to create a business that other people bought into. And then whether he was into checklists or not, he had to create some systems where other people knew what they were supposed to be doing and had bought into it. And really, hopefully is almost as passionate as him to help drive the, drive the business. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, and, and there's, there's lots of quotes around it, but essentially, you know, it's the systems that, 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 that drive a business, but it's the people that drive, drive those, those systems. So if you don't create the systems in the first place, you're never going to scale beyond a certain point. Excellent advice. Well, let's talk about those systems. Let's talk about the individual systems and also the meta system, the scale up system that you need to build as a business owner. Um, let's talk about what we'll talk about then, you know, how to scale the difference between good growth and bad growth. You know, if that's a new conversation for you, you as the listener, then that's an important conversation to take on board. Not all growth is good growth, right? There are instances of bad growth. I'm sure we'll talk about them. It's not all yeah. about the exits. It's about scale. You know, and yes. really this is about options, isn't it? Building for value, achieving a favorable exit. Again, there are good exits and bad exits. I can testify yeah. to that personally as well. Right. Yeah. Before we get there, some data from your book um, about scale. 96% yes. of businesses never reach 10 plus employees. This kind of arcs back to your point about, you know, we start off thinking we're going to grow this game changing business and yes. then the rubber hits the road. As they say yeah. in, in the military, yeah. no plan ever survives first contact <laughs> with the enemy, the enemy being yeah, the market competition. Yes. Yeah, A lot yeah. of things can happen, you know, the winds of circumstance. And before we get that, I'm very curious. I know you're a fan of John Warrillow. Um, yes. We'll, we'll mention him as well, coming up in a minute. Um, we talked as well before this call about Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. There's something from his book that says that I don't know if it's true. You're a pilot. You would know this. 95% of our time flying a plane, I don't know if he's got any experience. We're off course. We're constantly recalibrating. I don't know if that is a true fact, but it seems to me that is the nature of business. So there's a lot of info that I've kind of dumped on the table there for the listener and for you, Kevin. But let's start this idea of 96% of businesses never reach 10 plus employees. That's a bit of a shock, isn't it? We thought yeah, I you would get there. Eventually, that, but that was that was the one that was the stat that really I kind of kind of I guess inspired me to to set up set up Bismart and and to start looking into it um, a bit a bit more because as a coming from a corporate environment um, with the RF originally and then a, then, a, then a corporate environment you kind of kind of think well there's all these really successful businesses out there because that's what you hear about. You hear about the gazelles, you hear about the wonderful businesses, the huge businesses. And then when you when you actually look at it, you realize, and, it, and it's actually even more stark than that number. If you look at businesses with more than 50 employees, it's only 0.7% of businesses, wow. um, certainly in the UK, and I'm pretty sure these statistics are similar worldwide, only about less, so less than 1% scale beyond 50 employees. So we've got these images of, um, of these huge companies, but actually they make up the minority in terms of the number of, of companies. So yes, so so ninety nine percent are less than fifty, and ninety six percent less than less than ten. And that's what we really set out, and and certainly I set out to really understand why that might be. You know, is it because most of them don't want to, um, or is there something else going on here that it, that is preventing people? Because the, my starting point was well. I'm starting a business, you know, I've started a few businesses. My aim is to create a, a you know, reasonably, not, not large just for the sake of being large, but I'm envisaging having a good number of employees and all of those things. So maybe other people are like that. So why isn't that translating into, into the numbers? What's the number one reason? I know there's probably well, a number of reasons, but <clears throat> yeah, at I the top I, of the list. I, I think that, I think that. I think there are a number of reasons, and I, but I do think it comes down. I think we we sort of bring it down to a couple of couple of key things, and um, it 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 does come down to an understanding of what it takes to scale, and this difference between scaling and and you mentioned good and good and bad growth, if you, if, if you like, comes down to an understanding of that. So we've got that in our mind, but then we've got to have whether we call it the discipline or processes but actually habits is a really good good hmm. word for us it's habits and if we go back to the flying we get into really good habits and you mentioned whether we're off course a lot of the time but every five minutes 
typically, um, even in, in civilian aircraft, at least every five minutes, you've got a series of checks that you would you would do. In fact, um, and I still remember the acronym for that for that now and for some of the other. That was a field check, which sounds great. F double E L. So fuel, um, engine, electrics, and location. So we're and was doing, that done manually? That that was a manual check. Yes, so right. you, you, what you were checking with the fuel. So you'd be checking the fuel like gauge, it. and have we got enough to get to the to the, to the destination? Um, you'd be checking your all your electrics, so all of any warning lights that, that that might be out. You've got some engine engine display lights as well that you'd be looking at, and then you do what you were just saying about the location. You know, are we still on track? So you'd you'd have a couple of checkpoints that you'd be that you'd be looking for. Are we still on track for that? And is our heading still correct? So you'd be doing those constant little checks as well as then having specific other checks for different stages of the of, of the flight. So it's those habits that we that mm. we get into as a business. So co- combined with so combined with an understanding of, of the idea of scaling up uh, with the good habits within the business, that's what needs to needs to come. So uh, we it's all very well having this wonderful vision about how we what we're going to be in the future, but if we don't create those good habits in the meantime and understand how we need to create a business that will be able to scale that we're not just going to be the the um the the bottleneck to everything within that business understanding how to do that that's what's really important because otherwise what what happens and and this there's i hate to bring up loads of stats it sounds like a statistician sort of lesson here but 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 we talk about those 96 percent but the uk for example um is something like third for startups in in Europe um, mm. in terms of the number of number of startups and about thirteenth for scale ups. So something is going wrong more in the UK perhaps than in the than in other parts of parts of Europe where we're great we're getting lots of businesses starting up but then they're failing or well sorry that, that's not necessarily lots of businesses do fail but actually also a lot of businesses just get just get stuck. Um, mm. at, a, at, a, at a certain certain point, um, so it's 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 coming back to un- unlocking that, um, yeah, that, that 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 as to why that why that might be, and then putting in place those good habits to to do that. I like this idea. I like that field check as well, and that the fact that it's an acronym is memorable, isn't it? It's not requiring a lot of overhead, yeah. and that's been drilled into you. I'm sure when you yeah, yeah. if you're with a, a trainer and you, you ten minutes had passed, he'll be wrapping you on the knuckles with a. A yeah. wooden ruler, right? Yeah, my downwind checks were bumpfitch. <laughs> <laughs> Getting technical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brakes under carriage, mixture. You know, so you, you, you know, you just <laughs> these things lock lock in your mind. But but the but the point is, again, you know, you're you're. It's the habit that you're going to do them for the for oh. the first bit. So it's that rhythm, and we talk a lot about business rhythm. Um, mm. But then it's that you can just tick them off. You haven't got to get out. And this is a difference, I think, between. Civilian flying, if you just get your private pilot's license and you do a little bit of light aircraft flying versus flying in the military, and I'm sure also, um, well, uh, there's a different with airline flying as well, which I'll cover maybe in, in, in a second. But the difference is that in the military, certainly, you're expected to know all these things absolutely off pat. So you spend hours and hours um, just in a, uh, if I say a simulator, it's going to sound very grand, but I spent hours in a cardboard cutout, right? You know, it's a chair, an ordinary chair with a cardboard cutout of the um, of the cockpit in front of mm. you learning these learning these checks so it's not some grand electronic simulator but you you, you learn it so you've got them off road whereas in the early days of certainly private pilots license flying you have your checklist and you flick to the right to the right bit and you go which is okay but it's not as good as if you just know them off, mm-hmm. off by heart within the airline industry certainly you've got a co-pilot with you and it's often the co-pilot that actually is then reading out the check and and the pilot then affirming that action so you've actually got that second pair of eyes which is a which is also another nuance on the on on the idea of the checklist so you've got somebody else that's so you're not just mm. doing it by rote and saying the word but not actually really noticing whether it's whether it's correct or not yeah um, that's the so importance as well in business of the 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 second pair of eyes isn't it yeah. Yeah. Blind yeah. spots. And, and that's even if you're so so if we get into a good rhythm within business, mm. and, and I think this is probably getting to the heart of of much of why why businesses get to a certain point and then don't proceed beyond it, is they don't have a good good rhythm in place. And when I say rhythm, um it's it's around these habits. So like the flying, if we know every five minutes we're gonna do a mm. field check, right? Well, we talk a lot about a 90-day 
cycle in, in, in business. So it's great to have this 10 year, you know, as Jim Collins would say, your, your big, hairy, audacious goal, your, your, your BHAG, um, 10 or 30 year, your, your goal. It's great to have that, but we've got to break that down backwards. And then we've got to put, and then quarter by quarter, we want to pick on the key things that we're going to do, the things we must achieve in the next 90 days. And in 90 days time, we need to have the habit in place that we're going to stop and check whether we've, whether, you know, how we did against those and what we can do for the next 90 days. Mm. But of course, in between, you know, we don't just wait 90 days and see whether we've done that. In between, we need a rhythm to support that 90 day planning. So what's our weekly and our monthly and even our daily rhythm that means that we're keeping the plate spinning, um, at, but also we're, addressing some of the things in the longer term that we need to do because if all we're doing and this is this is the trap that a lot of us fall into is we're trying to keep those plates spinning we get we start up with all these great ideas we get a few clients we get busy um, and before we know it we're in that cycle of where we've got to keep that plate spinning and then we run mm. to the next keep plate spinning and, and, and whatever we don't want the plates to plates to drop and we got no thought about then putting another pole and another plate and moving foot because we can't cope with the plates that we've got that we've got spinning I love it. It's uh, it's almost like you've been sitting in my meetings for the last twenty years, <laughs> Kevin. It, especially the spinning plates. My team would tell you that the number of times I've used that analogy, and right. I remember the first time I used it, they're like, they give me that look, like, what is he going on about spinning plates? But that's the exact feeling that I have about it as a startup business owner. Um, you know, and the language you're using, I'm sure a lot of people have felt this as well. I, I want very, very curious about this rhythm. I, li mm. I like this idea. I want to sort of explore it a bit more. I to, to get there, I want to share with you a bit about my experience as an entrepreneur, because then I can share with you what I've learned the hard way. And that is, you know, 20 years as an entrepreneur, first business, you know, forget it. It was started with a friend. So let's write that one off. Okay. Then the second business was successful. It did really well. Um, you know, we had a very cash generative business and it was in a market which was expanding very fast. So we were in the right place, right time, very lucky, caught the wave and grew very fast. And then, you know, we went well beyond 10 employees, went to 35 employees. Right. Now, the mistake that I made was checks, none. You know, yeah. it was, well, oh, occasionally look at the bank account. Well, that looks nice. And then, oh, that's even better. And then one day I had a visit from a bank manager, bank managers never visit clients, <laughs> right? Or customers turns out one day and he said, uh, I want to find out what's going on in your business. You're making a lot of money. It's like, okay, I like the attention, but obviously that is, was, that is when they turn out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, when I'm asking for money, it's like he came around, he bought me a cup of coffee and everything. It's like, I felt very royal. So that was the situation then, you know, in, embedded in that business were a lot of problems that were not being checked out, you know, in that field check, if you like, you know, that maybe it looked good, but what was hidden in that was, you know, maybe bad payment terms, maybe um, a lot of hidden costs that were sort of mounting up. Now, fast forward to now, the one thing I do, if you look at, you know, if I could kind of concertina my 20 years, it's what I've learned is, and what I teach myself going back, and I've learned this through 20 years of mistakes and that's very expensive mm. you know i don't have your book for example i didn't have your book is basically every day now i have a checklist of about i think there's about 12 items and i go through one of them is look at the bank account you know start okay. with the basics you know go into yep. zero check my profit and loss you know make sure it's being updated make sure you know there's not six months of unreconciled items in there, right? So there's a lot of hiddens. I'm a business owner listening to you now, Kevin. I don't have 20 years to find out the answers. So let's accelerate the whole thing. A bit of experience from your book and your journey as well and what you've learned speaking to startup founders and business owners. What should I be doing on a daily basis when it comes to rhythm? What does that actually look like? Yeah, so I, I think um, the, the thing that you can do straight away without getting into too much complexity of anything is to put in place first of all um every 90 days at least half a day when you block in your diary when you're going to sit down with your team if you've got a team or if you haven't got a team even if you're on your own you sit down um ideally with somebody else that you trust because it is better definitely to do it with, with somebody else and you literally put in place this this in your calendar every 90 days and you stick to it and in in that session in that time you ask yourself what went well over the last 90 days, um, what 
what didn't go so well what's what's come up in those 90 days that we didn't realize before and what does good look like for the end of the next 90 days right hmm. and if all you do is that i mean you know there's you know that takes you to about page two in the book but you know if all, if all you do in that um is is that that's a start because most of us don't do that most of us have this maybe some long-term idea we're going to get to we might if we're lucky and i know most businesses don't do this we might think year on year what are we going to do this hmm. this hmm. next year but what we, but then we just do whatever happens in the in the intervening period and we either get there or we don't and normally we don't so every 90 days just do that sit down and really think about it and then the and then the other thing that i would suggest alongside that is to say right let's have a weekly check of some sort and let's let's work out what that weekly rhythm is that means that we're not just going for 90 days and then seeing whether or not we got to where we want to get to uh, at the end of it. But each week we're doing a little bit of a check because, and that check in that week, because I'll bet that, that the vast majority of the business owners that are listening to this, certainly those that have been in business for a couple of years or more, have a business rhythm and they probably have a mm. weekly meeting um, it, within that. But I'll also bet that most of that meeting is about keeping the plate spinning. Mm. Uh, and then, so it's, you know, this this client's got an issue. We need to deal with that, or this this is happening. Um, what what do we do with it? There's probably hardly anything which is like, hang on a minute. We said we'd build this kind of business, and we haven't done anything to address that. All right. So that's what needs to come in from the 90 day. Where do we want to be in the next 90 days? What does good look like? That's what needs to come into that weekly rhythm. Is to are we making progress? Check against that. So to start with, if all you do is is that. Then you'll you'll do probably a lot more than what most business owners are doing because you're combining the again to use some of Stephen Covey's language you're combining the important and the urgent in the right sort of mix. You're not just doing all the urgent things. You're also bringing some of the important things that maybe they're not urgent. It, the business mm. wouldn't stop. The plates wouldn't drop straight away if you didn't do that right now. But equally, if you don't start to address it, you're never going to be able to grow more plates or more poles of plates on them. So that I think is a, is a, is a key, is a key thing. And there's, you know, there's a, you, you could spend a, Certainly, within the book, we explore that a bit further. Um, but also, we uh, we bring in other things about understanding how to how the, the the scale up journey and the kind of things we need to consider. We also then bring in we have what we call our in flight checks. Going back to the flying, we call them our in flight checks, um, which we bring in every ninety days with the people that we work work with and we do that within our business. And that gives us like that field check. It's like that hmm. engine uh, fuel electric engine location check. Um, we look at four key areas of the business, strategy, people, execution, and cash. And we break those down into subsections and checks. And it's like, okay, how are we doing against those? Hmm. Not with a view of going, well, there's 123 things or something that we need to focus on. It's like, okay, which is the, which is the one, which is the one light, the, the one warning light that, that, that's really on that actually, you know, that's going to, that's going to take us out of the air if we're not careful or equally, it's the one thing that if we, to turn it the other way around, if we focused on that one thing would make the biggest improvement in the, in, in the business, right? Well, let's pick that. And that becomes something we build into our 90 days. So we've got that constant view as to business improvement around the things we know will help to build a, a scalable and resilient business um, on ongoing. And so, but, as I say, if you, if you start with it just being really simple, that's great. Um, in the ideally, what we're doing also is we're, we're saying where are we headed in the future. So going back again to the to the idea of the hmm. stretch goal or the big hairy audacious goal, you know, what are we? Where are we trying to get to? And let's bring one or two of those things in as well. But if we simply every night of days look at what went well, what didn't go so well, what else have we have we learnt, and therefore what does good look like? In it? I like this question. What does good look like? I'm curious to unpack that a little bit. You know, what would that be? It, would it be measurable data points? You know, this is what our sales are. You know, we've done a hundred thousand pound in sales in 90 days, or is it more qualitative stuff? For example, like, you know, I want to take a week holiday, you know, for the first time in X number of years as a, as a business yeah. owner, or, or is it sort of the more, you know the the stuff that you can't actually 
measure in binary terms. What, what, what typically constitutes a good answer to that question? Because I'm sure you know business owners are saying well, I could talk about a lot of different things when you say what does good look like here? Because you know you can just focus on the numbers here, but then you can focus on the qualitative stuff, which isn't measurable, and therefore you know potentially you can't hold yourself accountable to. I, I, well, I think it's not all about it's not all about the numbers, and I think that's a really interesting point. Is bringing in the the more qualitative things, the the and and perhaps the more personal things. Exactly, you know, as you've said, um, and we bring into that. So within that within that ninety day, those priorities. So I mean, we are getting a little bit into the the the, the, the detail of, of what we what we do here. So we would we would we would say what you're doing is you're if you've got a team of people. You're working together to identify those key 90-day priorities that the business must achieve, but then to get this accountability thing coming in because, you know, as we said earlier, you know, one of the great things about being a business owner is you're not accountable to, to a boss anymore, right? But also that's one of the biggest problems of being, yeah. a, being a business owner, right? So we've got those priorities. Let's now break those down into individual for the individuals. So, um, you know, it might be that if, if we're running the business together, it might be that fine. This is the this is the priority that we've the, the priorities that we've got. Graham, which you're going? These are these are your rocks, if you like. And we use, again, we're using Stephen Covey language here with uh, rocks, pebbles, and and sand, which many of the listeners will, will be familiar with. But these are your rocks. These are your must achieves, or we agree that these are mine. And they and they cut and make sure that there's a, a, we're we're not missing anything of those business priorities but then also we're you and i are breaking those down into actions then that we that we need to do as well as bringing one or two other things that we might want to do and that's where the personal stuff comes in so you might have and we look at we look at something called a balance wheel to make sure that um that we're addressing all aspects of our uh, of our lives actually not just business lives but are there some personal things as well that we might want to bring in there because increasingly the idea of a separation between business and personal life is is, is hard and harder to. Mm. It just doesn't exist like that. They encroach on each other. So we've got to we've got to bring those things in. But you know, without getting too much too much detail, which is difficult for the for the, for the listeners may maybe on a, on a, you know, on a podcast, it's that idea of of having clear business priorities that we've agreed as a team, and limiting ourselves to between five and seven, no more than seven. Because if we if we say oh there's there's all these hundred and six different things they're not priorities anymore they're not they're not real priorities so it forces us to think okay let's bring these down to the top five things if we did nothing else this quarter other than keep a few plates spinning and we did these five uh, five extra really really strong things that must be addressed is that are we going to be happy with that with that ninety days right um, if there's other things that they're not so urgent then maybe we can move those to subsequent ninety days. Mm. But but that's the that's the essential idea. Yeah, I like it, and um, obviously your book goes into a lot more detail as well as your podcast as well. This you know the the conversations probably dive specific to certain sectors. It's going to be different, isn't it? Different types of businesses, different types of business owners as well, different motivations, and therefore yes. you're going to find different case studies that match for different people. So I think that's probably a good you know hearing people's stories. Is probably one of the most powerful ways to learn, isn't it? That what works, and that's what, what we're trying work. to do. That is what we're trying to do with scale up, scale up radio. So one of the one of the difficulties that I had when I came out of the corporate environment, and I, you know, I had set up three or four of my own businesses at that at that point. But when I started talking to other business owners um, within that ninety six percent, if you if you like, hmm. it's that. It's talking in a language that 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 resonates to them. That it, that it, that it is really important. We don't want to get too too theoretical. So it is about the stories and the practical applications of of, of what we're talking about. So you know, I, I don't want to give the impression that the book is a an academic thesis on how you how you need to scale up. It's it's full of practical tips. It's based on what we've learnt and seen with working with business owners, and that's what the podcast Scale Up Radio is all about is about then those real life stories yeah. and those also come from the fact that part of the way that we work and i think this is something as as well that people listening should really think about if they're not part of a of a peer group of some some sort then they should seriously think about about that and it's one of the ways that we work with business owners is putting people into close-knit groups of trusted 
trusted people together they work together so five or six in a group and we meet monthly because then you've got that sounding board but you've also got the practical experiences then of going okay well we know that we need to be doing this business rhythm thing um but my business is different from yours isn't it so how 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 does that work for me what's what do i need to think about um and or or equally people saying you know what that wouldn't work in my, I, I couldn't do that. You know, that wouldn't work in my sector. And somebody else from a different sector going, well, we thought that actually oh. in our sector a little while ago. And then we found that actually it does if we do it this way um, or equally, we learned by our mistakes in this way. So whatever you do, don't, don't do this. And I think that sounding board is another thing that most business owners are missing. It's that mm -hmm. we think we've got to do it all ourselves. Uh, because we're, and by the fact that we're entrepreneurial, we're self-starters, and we think we we should be able to know all the answers um, our, ourselves. Whereas actually, we we can benefit from a sounding board of of other of other with other with other people. It also can really help with that inspiration because you see a bit of success with and and almost that inspiration and competition going a little bit mm. with it with the drives drive each other a little bit a little bit forward. So you know the the two sort of things that I talk about in the book is that separate those that succeed from those that don't is one is working to a system to scale up so you actually understand it and the, the rhythm is part of that system and the four pillars of scaling up is part of that. But then working with a close trusted group of, of, of peers so that you've got that constant sounding board and and uh, and and built on experience and as i say it's not not all about the theory it's very much about those stories i can't overestimate the importance of the last point for business owners and something i've learned myself the hard way for sure you mentioned that you go into business because you know we believe we can do all this ourselves and a little bit of it is scared to ask for help you know scared to be vulnerable and say i don't know and then maybe thinking because you spend all your time talking to clients, talking to team, talking to you know everybody in your industry, that you probably think that you're actually quite well served by opinions. But actually, being a business owner, even with a partner, it can be quite lonely. You know, yep. depending on the relationship with your partner, um, you may have a partner that just agrees with everything that you do. That's you know that's sort of the yin yang. If you're a very strong dominant personality, you may get a partner that feels very comfortable just let you making all the decisions and that can turn out quite badly if you don't have that kind of sounding board so i think these are really important i feel kevin you know so many business owners are very good at certain things yeah. and you know they may be very good at being creative they may be very good at sales they may be very good at systems and that is the ingredient for scaling up a business they've got that passion and that drive and that you know that sort of spike that makes them different to the average you know salaried employee right it means that this is the right person to drive this thing however they all have blind spots which can derail the whole thing it's kind of like you know this guy is a great pilot he's the most acrobatic pilot but he has this habit of just kind of running it below 100 feet you know and like crashing the plane you only need to crash the plane once and you're done <laughs> all that all that skill is out the window right so I well, think, you unless, know, unless you're tom cruise he does seem to <laughs> well he's an exception i, I don't think we're many of us are like tom cruise we're kind of like a bit sort of a level down from him but i think that's kind of where we are as business owners isn't it we just kind of remove these blind spots we need these sounding boards these you call them smart boards right we I'm do curious you know what what have you observed from those i mean obviously you're not going to share examples like distinct examples because it's all sort of behind closed doors but you know what have you seen in terms of the evolution of business owners in those smart boards how do they sort of go into it what do they kind of learn what are the sort of takeaways for you yeah i i think it is really interesting because yeah, I think initially many people, especially if you haven't experienced working with other people in a peer group, you think, well, what am I going to get out of this? You know, what, 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 what is it? But as soon as you experience it and you start to start to see what comes out of it, you, you realize the power of it because you can short circuit so many, so many things. And we've seen, we get, what we do is we, we, Everybody comes with a little update each month. So it's part of their business rhythm, actually, is, you know, have they done mm. what they said they were going to do? And there's that bit of accountability within the group. But it, but but they also come and we also look at a theme each time. So we look at a business improvement thing and we explore that between us as to how the relevance, relevance of that is within each of us 
but most importantly, everybody brings a challenge each each month, and that challenge and that and that those can vary from being quite tactical. You know, we've had had it for example. You know, I'm answering emails at twelve o'clock at night, and I don't want to be right. You know, how do I mm. how do I how do I do that? So very tactical, right the way through to some really strategic things like you know. Um, I'm looking for that next stage of growth. Should I do it organically or should I do it by acquire, you know, by acquisition? Right. Well, you know, in a in a short discussion, you're not going to you're not going to answer everything about should I grow by acquisition or, or organically. But what you can do is you can synthesize the next steps based on experience, and people can then help you to focus and go right. This is the next bit that you should that you should mm. do, um, and that gets you kickstarted as opposed to what can often happen and i i know i've been guilty of this in the past if i'm not quite sure what the right direction is to go with something i spin my wheels um and i go around in my head and because there's never well with complex things there's normally not a black and white answer mm. right so so i'm forever going oh well, hang on if i did this well on the other hand though if i did if, if, if i did that whereas if you've got a group of people that can between them help you to get to what it is that's causing you to spin your wheels and give you that right. That's the next step to step to do. Then, you, then you're off. So you short circuit a lot of a, a lot of the questions that you might have. You get to answers quickly, and 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 you move and you move forwards. Yeah, extremely valuable. I can even think of an example right here, right now for me, where I would think actually, I need an answer to this question. Yeah. For example, you know, how do I set up a a a, a outpost a franchise or a subsidiary in for example the uk or yep. the us or i can talk to a lot of people and they can give me advice and their thoughts on it but what i need somebody is to say yeah i i've done franchising before but listen graham this is like save yourself the time and the heartache do it this way you know hire somebody locally da, 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 find a local investor etc you know you yep. need somebody to say i've done this and you know i yep. made my mistakes so you so, can spend a so, lifetime spinning wheels getting answers, right? You can. So, so sometimes you will have somebody that absolutely has done exactly what it is that you're trying to do, and and, and they can give you advice from that direct experience. In in other cases, it might be that even if somebody within the group hasn't got that direct knowledge, they can help you in your thinking um, mm. to get to that to get to that next step. So it's not always about. Yeah, because because to cover every aspect of of every question that somebody might have, you in the, every industry, you you might need a pretty big group to to do that. But but it, but normally people will have some input as to and good advice as to as to how to overcome your next that next roadblock to get you to get you moving. And it might simply be a case of actually, you know, I know somebody that that maybe they're not part of this group, but I know somebody that can help you with this or. Your next step would be to research this in a bit more, and here's here's some pointers as to where you might go to, to go to go to research and come back to the group with what you found um, from from that aspect. So so that's that's all yeah that that's all a key 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 part of it. Um, so there are things that come up within the groups that are applicable to every business because at the end of the day we're all growing businesses, and even regardless of what sectors we're in, we we come across similar challenges and headaches, but. There are also some things that then are a bit more industry specific um, and it might, might then require that specific industry knowledge. Great. Let's talk about some resources rounding up for business owners listening who would be curious about finding out more. Obviously, your smart boards, um, books as well. Uh, your book, Entrepreneurial Scale-Up System. You know, let's yep. give the shout out, credit where credit is due so people can find out about the system everything we've really talked about today was just skimming the surface. You know, it's very practical, very laid out. It's not like you say, academic, it's very much in sort of a, a prescriptive format. You know, this is what you need to do. I think that will appeal to a lot of business owners who probably want some hard advice. Like this is what you do. Step one, do this. Yep. Yep. And also your pillars of scale up but you you how do you turn them in the book it's the pillars of growth or what do you call it in the book just so the, people the can understand what the, they're the, 
Well, the, the, the scale-up journey, if, if you mean about the different milestones, and we typically yep. look at that around the, the numbers of people within the, within the business, and, and it's this idea of when, you, when we're scaling up, it's not just a, a straight-line growth or even a sort of wiggly line, wiggly line growth. It's a series of stepping stones, and there's ladders of success, if you like, against each of those stepping stones. And typically they're in um, terms of the numbers of employees that we've got. So we, if we just want to build a one-man band consulting type business, that's mm. uh, that's the first kind of stepping stone, if you like, in the ladder. So we can build a really successful business that's a consultant business that just keeps us um, earning a decent amount of money potentially. But if we want to build a business that's maybe got a team of three to five people, which is the next one, that's a different ladder. It's a different kind of different kind of business. And we've got to think about how the business is different at that point. And that's when the pillars come in as the, we've got to think about strategy, we've got to think about the people, we've got to think about the way we execute it, and we've got to think about the cash. Um, so what's needed in each of those to get get cleanly, if you like, smoothly from one stepping stone to the to the next and avoid what we term as the valleys of death in between. And there's stepping stones all the way along this. So three to five employees is 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 the first obvious next one. Then it's typically eight to twelve um, when we've got a team that's big enough then really to be not reliant on any one individual, but we're just about maxing out there as what one of us as a founder and leader of the business can can cope with um, much beyond there. And we start to really, really struggle without having a senior leadership team to, to help spread the load. And that's the next stepping stone is when we've got 20 to 25 people. And that's quite a big jump at that point. And that's the one that that's the one typically the 96% of businesses don't manage to make because mm. we've we've created a comfortable business probably. At eight to twelve people, it might be a million pound turnover or something at that level. The next one requires a bit more investment, and our risk appetite has probably gone down as an entrepreneur because um, because we've already created a lifestyle now at that business. We've got a reasonably successful business, and now we're going to say we've got to go again. We've got to invest back in the business. We've got to go through another period of maybe this this valley um, beforehand before it gets good again. Do I really want it? Uh, and 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 how do, how do I do it? And that's the that's part of this thinking as to thinking in that way as these stepping stones and thinking what has to happen differently in the business for me to get to from one to one to the one to the next um so that, that's the way we talk about this scale up journey and those series of stepping stones with a ladder of success on each one and you generally can't just hop from one ladder to the next ladder at the same level you have to come down a rung or two and re rebuild which is why you've got this valley in between and if we get it wrong that's when we get stuck with all of the symptoms that most business owners come to us with which is i don't have enough time in the day i've got people problems they're not doing what i want them to do um, and i'm getting all the hassle from the from the people and i'm and i'm running out of cash i'm making there seems to be money seems to be growing but actually mm. we're not getting cash coming out those are the symptoms uh, that people come with um but but if we just address an individual symptom and don't think about the system as a whole then we're just going to temporarily fix that symptom but it's going to come back again and that's the difference between growth and scaling up is if we just grow a business like that we grow the problems and the headaches with it as well that's very real and many businesses well those are your a number of those 96% that never make it to the 10 plus. So that's all mapped out for you, your flight plan in the entrepreneurial yep. scale up system. Um, thanks Brilliant. for sharing that. I, I really like the idea of what you're doing, breaking it down because generally a lot of business advice tends to be vanilla. It tends to be treating business as if it was one entity. And, you know, it may be sort of top level mindset advice, or it may be specific to, you know, technical or tactical advice, you know, how to generate leads and so on. But what you've done, and it's the first time I've really seen this, is like you've broken down the journey of a business because they are very different, you know, year one, year two, year three. And this has been reconfirmed by my own experience in the current business, which is four years old, is that mm -hmm. each stage is very different. It requires a different mindset, a different you know, set of tools, a diff different set of dashboards that you need, things that you need to monitor, different teams, et cetera. You need to get to each and every stage. And that's the reality is that you need some kind of reference point to tell you actually you're entering stage three or whatever it may be. And therefore you need to start making plans to change and adapt because, you know, the rules have changed here slightly. And yes. I guess that's kind of the useful 
aspect of having that mapped out for you in the book. So that sounds very interesting to any business owner out there to have some kind of playbook, if you like, for your yes, business. Yes, and that's actually what, what inspired me to write it, is I specifically remember somebody we were working with. Uh, in fact, we, they weren't a client at the time. They'd got about 16 employees, and they were stuck in, in one of these valleys, essentially. And, and the comment was, no, there's no instruction manual. Nobody's written an instruction manual as to how to scale a, scale a business. And it was like, okay, well, hang on. <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what we should, be, we, should, we should be looking at doing. Nice. Yeah. Or you can find out the hard way. <laughs> yes. <and laughs> which that's is, what, that's which what, most that's people do, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people like the challenge of doing that, but, you know, it, you, you yeah. can enjoy the challenge and get a bit of help along the way. Yeah. So you can so you can imagine the power then of understanding that, understanding some of those things, but then working with a small group of people that mm. maybe are at different stages of that scale up journey. So you've got somebody that has made that transition to twenty twenty five people, um, and you're you're trying to make that transition. And equally, you might have somebody that's still at the three to five level in your group, and you're then sharing the real experiences of overcoming those those challenges. It's Kevin Brent, everybody, author and podcast host. You go and check out his book, The Entrepreneurial Scale-Up System, as well as the podcast, The Scale, sorry, Scale-Up Radio. Um, Kevin, just in signing off, I know we've mentioned, for example, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think is a great recommendation to anybody, not just business owners, certainly helps for business owners, but even that advice of start with the end in mind. I think we've kind of started with that today. You know, what do you yes. want to achieve in yep. your business? What other books would you recommend or resources, particularly for business owners, apart from your own? That's excluded. Of course. Of course. Thank you. What would you recommend? I, I, I love um, Built to Sell by John Warrillow. I think that's a really, really mm -hmm. good one. Uh, it's not all about necessarily about building a business that you have to sell, but it's about building a business that will build value. Um, there's obviously the e-myth, Michael Gerber is a, is a really good standard text around here. Um, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish mm. is also a really, really good one. Um, and um, one that I also particularly like, a bit more mathematical in a way, but, but really good, but around the cash is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Um, mm. All really good, all really good books. And a number of those principles we adopt um, within, within the system. Kevin, signing off, call sign. Where do the listeners go and find out more about you? If they want to obviously go to Amazon and, and check out the book, we'll put the details in the show notes, um, link to your podcast as well. Um, where is the best jumping off point for all your projects? I think you can, I think you can certainly, certainly look for Skelet Radio as the, as the podcast. That's a, that's a really, good, really good point. And if you want to find out more about the book, then you can just type in the Entrepreneurial Scale-Up System on, on, on Amazon. Or if you want to find our, our website about it, then it's the, just go to www.theesusgroup.co.uk. Excellent. And that's Kevin. ESUS. ESUS. Got yes. it. We'll put it in the show notes. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Enlightening as well. And thanks for sharing some of your insights and journey with the listeners today. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me on, Graham. You've been listening to the Excel Podcast with me, Graham Brown. To subscribe and discover more conversations, go to www.xlpodcast.org.